0: Today's reading is uh, Psalm 8 from the lectionary reading from the, the Passion Translation. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars, mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask this question. Why would you bother with puny, mortal, man, or care about human beings? Yet what honor you have given to men created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to them rulership over all you have made, with everything under their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. All the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beasts and all that move in the paths of the seas, everything is in submission to Adam's sons, Yahweh, our sovereign God. Your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere, see your splendor.
1: Good morning. Before I get started, let me just say one small little thing. We are going to mess up in the next few days. We're not going to get everything right. It's going to get a little bit messy at times. Sometimes it will be just great. But we will not get it right all the time so i asked for you to give us grace as we work through this transitional period thank you i know you will this is who you are so our sermon series is how it started and how it's going so we've had some conversations the past few weeks over the five directives of imago day And so typically we do a a sermon or a sermon series every year on these five directives, where we are, where we come from, where we want to go. We haven't really been able to do that this year, so we felt like this was a really good time to, let's do it right now. I think it helps to know our why. It reminds us that our purpose is in Christ, and it helps us stay focused on what's good and meaningful and beautiful. So this sermon series will be a little bit different. There are five directives, so every Sunday in October we will approach one directive a Sunday. There will be different people that will be talking about those directives, and at the end of every uh, sermon, talk, whatever you want to call it, uh, we will be interviewing people who were at Imago from the beginning or around the beginning, and we're going to ask them. Why this directive? Why was this important to you guys? What does it mean? What, what have you, where have you lived this out in the best of ways over the past 12, 13 years? But we're also going to interview some of you who have been here not as long, and we want to ask you, what do you think this directive is looking like right now at Imago? Did this directive guide you here? Is this something that you see lived out? And so it, it's going to be a little bit different in our services, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's going uh, to be good. So our scripture today is from Romans 12, from the Message Translation. Most of you should have a sheet with the scripture on it. And the reason I wanted to give you a sheet with this scripture is I'm going to ask you to do something with it. First of all, I'm going to ask you to read, read along with me this morning. But second of all, uh, someone was telling me this week that they, used, they, they, they have the scripture on their refrigerator. This scripture is so rich and beautiful and dynamic. I'm going to ask you to put it on your fridge. If you don't want to put it on your fridge, put it in your car. Put it beside your bed. Keep it with you because these scriptures are beautiful and we all need to hear them on a regular basis, me more than anybody. So let's read along. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for her. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you, living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace. It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. God brings it to us. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what they do for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Directive number one is everything is spiritual. And that directive states, we believe that all of life food, friends, work, money, pleasure, sleep, is spiritual. We do not fragment our lives. We live with a growing understanding that everything we do relates to God. In this passage in Romans 12, Paul is trying to establish a community of believers that he has never met. This is the only community of believers that Paul never meets. So the instructions that he's sending these people in Rome, they're not specific. It's more theological in nature. And this is where we get the largest chunk of our Protestant theology is through the book of Romans. But Paul is trying to teach the Roman Christians that everything is spiritual, that God is in everything. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Several years ago, when I was about 25 years old, um, me and my husband at the time, and Colby, my oldest son, who had been about three or four, were visiting my mom and dad for the day in in Belmont, Mississippi. We had moved away a couple hours away to Pontotoc, and we just decided one Saturday morning, let's go visit mom and dad and play in the front yard. They had a great big front yard and some neighbors, and they lived on a cul-de-sac, a small cul-de-sac subdivision. So their house was at the very end of the cul-de-sac, and there were two houses this way from them, and then one house here. It was a small subdivision. It was a new build, and so they were getting there. Right adjacent to this little subdivision was this huge acreage, this farm. Uh, I think it was soybeans. I don't exactly remember exactly. Anyway, you could see the John Deere tractor working that field that day, and you're just going back and forth, plowing that field. It's a huge John Deere tractor. So I don't know where everyone else was when this all started, but I was in the living room and mom had this great big picture window you could kind of see and I think I was reading a book and all of a sudden I see something green come into my vision and I look up and I'm watching that John Deere tractor come across the pasture into my mother's front yard and straight for my mother's front door. And I'm thinking, oh no, why is he doing that? I go outside and he stops just short of my mom's door I can see the guy he slumped over like this in the tractor and he raises his head he he opens the door and then he's still like this and I recognized him his name was Jamie he was somebody that I went to school with Um, I didn't know him that well we didn't really speak to each other he was a senior and I was a sophomore uh, when I knew of him Uh, but I recognized him I recognized Jamie and I say, he's, you know, he's hunched over, and he literally falls out of the tractor. He can't answer my questions. On top of me and pushes me to the ground. And I realize he's got blood on him. And I'm like, Jamie, what's happened? And he says, someone shot me. And so there were multiple bullet holes. Now, let me just say this. He lives. Okay, this is not that. Okay, he lives. Um, but I'm on the ground with him in my lap my husband at the time comes running out and he's calling 911 my mom who teaches nursing and I need you to grasp that really quick okay my mother who teaches nursing we're yelling for her to come outside she should know what to do right I don't know what to do are you kidding me she finally comes outside and she sees me on the ground with Jamie and blood in different places everywhere and I go mom he's been shot She takes off running, doesn't address me, doesn't look at me, just takes off running. And I'm like, where are you going? Her friend Melody, who was also a nurse, lived at that second house down. She said, I'm going to get Melody. I said, but you're a nurse too, what are you doing? No answer, so she goes to get Melody. The ambulance comes, we get him him in there and he's off to the hospital. Now I'm telling you this story for a reason. But I'm gonna pause this story right here and I'm gonna talk about the rest of the story on the other side. You remember Paul Harvey, right? Okay, so we'll get the rest of the story in just a few minutes, but I want you to keep that in your head if you don't mind. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace. Theologian Paul Actemeyer says that Romans 12 teaches us how to live according to the structures of grace rather than the structures of the world. We are to shape ourselves, our thinking, our actions according to the conformability of faith. Not to the reality of evil, but the reality of grace. We know there's evil in the world, and we have to acknowledge that. We work to fight it. Where we see injustice and oppression and, and racism and inequality and all those things, we're invited to step into those situations and try to make them right. But we don't live by the structures of the world, we live by the structures of grace. We are to live by what is truthful and good and honorable and humane to others. That's not really the way the world works, right? We get that, right? This is how we live in a world where everything is spiritual. I've used this quote from Barbara Taylor Brown many many times, but from her book, An Altar in the World, She says that human beings may separate things into as many piles as we wish, separating spirit from flesh, sacred from secular, church from world. But we should not be surprised when God does not recognize the distinctions we make between the two. Earth is so thick with the possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars. Everything is spiritual. Now, this is where I'm going to invite you into the sermon discussion time. What are some ways that you embrace that everything is spiritual? Or what are ways that maybe you once compartmentalized the sacred from the secular? not being conformed to the world and the way the world works is more than saying I never listen to secular music only Christian or I never watch R-rated movies or I would never wear a two-piece bathing suit because I would not want my brother in Christ to stumble over his lust for me or I will never read Fifty Shades of Grey those are cultural propositions for us and if we choose to live our lives that way we have the freedom to do so If that's what keeps us connected to Jesus then that's what we need to do or not to do but not conforming ourselves to the world is more than these things we should not conform ourselves to untrue thinking unkind words or ungracious actions the culture embraces untrue thinking unkind words or ungracious actions but to live our lives, as Paul tells us in Romans 12, Romans 12, to take our everyday, ordinary lives, our sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around lives, to take the whole of our lives and live as, as everything is spiritual, we have to conform to the structures of grace. So how do we, what are the structures of grace? How do we live our life according to the structures of grace? This is how. We love from the center of who we are. We don't fake it. We run for dear life from evil. We hold on to dear life for good. We need to be good friends who love deeply. We need to practice playing second fiddle. Oh my heaven, y'all. We do not do that well in America, do we? We don't. We find meaningful ways of self-care so we don't burn out. What you need for self-care and what I need for self-care looks different but we have to practice it in some shape, form, or fashion so we don't burn out. We keep ourselves as servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. We don't quit just because it's hard. We help needy Christians. We strive to be inventive in our hospitality. And remember, hospitality is not just for people we like or people we know. Hospitality is for people we don't know and especially for people We bless our enemies and don't curse them under our breath. I'm really bad at this. I'll just confess that, okay? This is a struggle for me, all right? I just want to be honest so you can be honest with yourselves. I mean, the jerks, I mean, they can just go take a hike, right? It's hard. This is the hard work. If we can't be around them without cursing them under our breath, maybe take a break from them for a while. But we still have to bless them. We still should. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. In Philippians, we were reminded to consider the interests of others and not just our own. Sometimes we need to take a seat and let someone else shine. We can't always be the bride. We don't always have to get our own way. Man, we're bad at this too. And when I say we, I mean me. Don't hit back. How do we hit back? I mean, we don't like physically probably hit back, but we hit back by withholding our words, giving the silent treatment. Oh, I'm so good at that. We get back by passive aggressive actions and words we get back by cryptic Facebook post, we're thinking, oh, this is for this person. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, we we need to get along with everybody if we can. If our enemy is hungry, we should go buy that person lunch or if he's thirsty, we should get him a drink. Our generosity can surprise him with goodness we don't let evil get the best of us we get the best of evil by doing good this is living within structures of grace now Paul uses a lot of language about enemy in this particular chapter so the question for me was who's my enemy who's yours Osheta Moore says says that if you're having trouble discerning your enemy just ask yourself one question Who is on the other side of my empathy? empathy? Who is on the other side of my compassion, my sensitivity, my understanding? Y'all, that gets me. Whoever that is for us, that is the one we buy lunch for. That is the one we buy a drink for. That is the ones we bless. This is how we are formed to the structures of grace and not of this world. We don't get this completely with a list of do's and don'ts. And let me tell you from experience, some of the meanest people I know hold those lists of do's and don'ts very well. They do very good at them. And I say that because I've, I've been one of them. There's days I still am. But it doesn't conform us to structures of grace. This is the work that changes us and it changes others. And it's the work that helps us to see everything is spiritual. Back to my story with Jamie. About 10 years before Jamie drove up to my tr- to my mother's house in a tractor, I had an unpleasant encounter with him in high school. In my high school, 10th through 12th was uh, high school. And um, every year, Belmont, I've told you a million times, it's a really small town. We didn't have a lot of entertainment. But... <laughs> Every year, the high school had a most beautiful beauty pageant. I know, I know. I'm from the South. I can't help it. My mother wanted me to enter that pageant in my 10th grade year. I was 15. I didn't really know a lot about pageants, and I'd watched a lot of Miss America. That's about it. But I I, I entered into it. I won it. Unbelievable. And you know my story of, childhood trauma and damage so the fact that I won it that night was just such like a it was meaningful to me even though it was superficial it was meaningful to me it was a nice moment for me that was on a Monday night the next night at a junior high football game all the 10th through 12th graders sat in a section at the at the football game the student section and I'm there and I'm sitting with a friend And Jamie, who has never spoken to me before in his life, comes walking up the steps of the stadium. And as he walks by me, he doesn't even look at me, but he stops at me and points at me. And he's looking at everybody else in the stands. And he says, man, if I'd have known you was gonna win it, I'd have entered it. Everyone laughed. 10th, 11th, 12th graders. I was humiliated was awful was awful lucky for me there was a gallant senior boy who stood up for me that everybody loved he was a good guy he was popular he was one of those but he stood up for me and said something to shut him up never forgot that either we did not know each other at all sophomores and seniors did not mingle Now i want to say this before i go any further i'm not the hero in this story i am no hero not at all the heroes were the paramedics the nurses the doctors who patched him up i just happened to be there what are the odds that this incident would happen 10 years later after what he said to me that night i didn't even live in belmont anymore i lived two hours away just so happened to be home that Saturday. And it was him that came across my mother's front yard. My thoughts were all over the place that day as I held him. My first instinct was to recoil, like, oh my gosh, this is this guy that was awful to me, like, get away from me. But I couldn't because he was smushing me with his body. I didn't want to touch him. I was doing like this not just because of the blood either, but I didn't like this guy. I didn't want to give him any comfort. Are you kidding me? Not only was he heavy, my body was cramping and my legs and feet were going numb. I could not stand him. But he was holding in my lap, holding on to my sleeve like this. And I was the only person in this scenario that he knew. And he said, Melinda, did you call 911? Yes. And something happened to me in that moment. You know, 10 years go by, you learn a thing or two, right? I thought, this boy that said those words to me 10 years ago had to be a really hurting person to say something so cruel. I didn't know a thing about him. I didn't know about it I didn't know if his mom and dad were still alive I didn't know if he was married I didn't know if he had children I just thinking he might die and this is somebody I can't stand so as I sat there that day I saw his eyes closed in pain after he said my name he was trembling he was scared and I started rocking him like I would Colby I remember saying I grabbed his arm. He had my sleeve. I had his arm. I said, Jamie, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The ambulance is on its way. The ambulance will be here. Just rocking back and forth. It's going to be okay, Jamie. My shins were bleeding that day by cracking them on an altar in my mother's front yard. I never spoke to him again after that day. He never contacted me, never spoke to him again. But the way God tied that wound for me from 10 years earlier to that moment in that day profoundly changed me. God is present in our shame and humiliations. God is present in our triumphs and in our defeats. God is present in our failures and our doubts. God is present in all of our comings and goings. God is present in beauty pageants, junior high football games, tractors, and even gunshot wounds. And God is present because everything is spiritual. Now Renee and Brian are going to come up and they're going to talk about this first directive.
2: So in October we're going to spend a little bit of time each Sunday talking to people about the directives, Um, some people that have been in Imago for a while and also some people that are fairly new to Imago. We just want to see um, kind of how these directives spin into real life. They're not just rules. They're not um, a checklist of what you should do or shouldn't do. It's kind of how um, life is guided here at Amago. It's how big decisions are made. It's how small decisions are made. So we want to kind of spend some time with that. So today, we're talking about the idea of all things are spiritual. Renee is going to be the um, experienced voice today. And actually, we're going to go off script a little bit. And you guys are going to get to be some of the um, newer voices as well. So be ready. There'll be group participation in just a second. So. First, we're just going to talk about this directive, Everything is Spiritual. So, Renee, for you, what does that directive mean? How does that kind of live out for you?
3: It was something for me that um, I sort of came to over time. Um, uh, 13 years ago, on the second Sunday of Mago, was the first time that I came. Um, Me and my husband came. Uh, We knew people that were part of the launch, and... um, we were going to another church at the time that was doing good things in the community that we appreciated, but we weren't really connected yet. So we thought, well, check out Imago. And um, that first time reading those directives, I didn't have any connection with them because I hadn't been part of building them. Um, and I read when I read, "Everything is spiritual," it took me a minute because at first I was like, "Everything means everything." Like so, to me, that looked like, well, maybe there's like a hundred million different ways I can fail God every day if everything <laughs> is spiritual. Like couldn't we just leave some things, like maybe only part of life, and um, it's maybe a little bit colored by being an enneagram one, like I like to be right, I like to do things the right way, Um, I don't want to be bad, so um, that was maybe how I looked at it at first, but as time has gone on, and I've looked at it maybe different ways, as my um, picture of who God is, and what God does, and how God relates to me changes, I've thought about another way to look at that is that Every single minute of every single day, if everything is spiritual, then that's an invitation to look at God and to see what God is doing and to feel the love and the acceptance of God every single day while I'm doing dishes, when I'm caring for my children, when I work. When I sit in the psychotherapy room with people, um, every single minute is an opportunity and not just a time for me to fail or to succeed, but to connect with God in that moment. And it's, it's turned into... Um, you know, those that's, that feels great in some sense to have, that God is so interested in all those aspects of our life. Um, it also has made me think of, like, well, what is rest then? What is those times when I'm not actively out pursuing kingdom stuff? Like, is it okay? Is it spiritual to rest? And maybe it is. And in those moments when I hurt people, either intentionally or not, um, maybe those moments are also spiritual in the sense that I can learn and, and things can get better. And that is how one grows, is through all of those, all of those moments together. The other thing that sort of drew me to it was, um, it reminds me a lot of a concept called common grace. I don't know if anybody has talk, looked at that before. But when I first became a Christian or identified um, with that label when I was in college, I was very zealous about that at that time. And um, wanted everybody else to experience the greatness of Jesus, too, and was very worried about those who didn't. And so um, I, th- I came across this concept of common grace, the idea that God reaches out to all of the people all the time, all over the world, no matter where they are at religiously, background, idea, practice at all. And that ideas of truth and beauty and the presence of God in all of that is, is evident in creation and arts and all of the things I was like, oh, okay. So God will, will, will get to all of those people. It's, it's not always on a, um, a person's shoulders. And that was really helpful then, and I think it's helpful over the years since then for me, the fact the fact that whether we feel really super connected to God or whether we feel very far from God, God is reaching out to us in every single part of our lives is pretty exciting to me.
2: I'm going to do that terrible interview thing when I, talk, when I should just be asking questions, but I'm going to talk for a second about me too. So that was kind of the thing for me too, the idea that everything was um, spiritual it was really important because I grew up where church was God time on Sunday, and the rest of the week we were supposed to be good because we were, you know, good little Lutherans. We're great at everything, but, um, but God wasn't really talked about the rest of the week, and so the idea that God would be everywhere was really different and new, and then I also moved into a culture for a while where there was God stuff that was good and then there was everything else that was terrible. And so there's that kind of split that anything that didn't have Jesus' name on it or there wasn't a cross sticker on it, it was somehow bad or less or or worse, um, a waste of your time. So the idea of incorporating all that was really important. So I think seeing that directive lived out at Imago um, to realize that everything that I encounter can point me to God, every part of that. So, you know, being um, a comic book geek and being a dad and being a gay man and being a teacher and being someone that, you know, has a, a family that's really important to me, like all those parts wove together and that God was working in all those things, not just one separate part when I was on Sunday morning singing or doing something up front. So that part, I think, was really significant to me too. So, so for you, how have you seen this directive lived out at Amago during your time here?
3: So I got this question ahead of time, and I'm like, I'm going to fail this one, because <laughs> it's been 13 years of me seeing it and not going to be able to remember all the pieces. So I'm gonna, I wrote down some things that I'm hoping will hit some of the highlights, but there was a lot more probably that I just don't remember. Um, and it, just in general, I think it's it's that we believe that God's Spirit speaks to every single person in, in the church, and that God is um, doing things if, with God's Spirit in every single person. And so like, that is just incredible to see all kinds of different people. Sometimes God moves one person. Sometimes God moves a group of people. Sometimes God moves the whole church to do kingdom work, like, in their ways that they're examining that everything is spiritual. But I've seen things like people using their free time, their energy, their resources, and seeing those as spiritual. And so they use a portion of it to love their neighbors well, like starting things like breakfast club, um, doing after school tutoring programs and um, community building for, for kids, um, doing neighborhood events where um, community building can form, um, Halloween parties, gingerbread house, gingerbread house parties, Easter egg hunts. Um, there's a group that works to end human trafficking at one point. It also looked like having game nights at church, um, just hanging out, um, playing on a softball team, camping trips, um, seeing God in moments of school transitions, graduations, things like that. Um, It's been examining what does it mean to feast, what does it mean to fast, what does it mean to rest, looking at that. Um, It's looked looked like people re-examining their callings, their day jobs, how does that interact, where do they see that, do they write about it in blogs, do they share it with their small group members. Um, it's, look at, it's looked like our whole church seeing that there's an there's a impetus on the church to care for orphans, and so we use our time and our resources and our efforts to care for people in the foster care um, segment of our, our culture. Um, it looks like examining how we vote, how we engage politically, how we are allies to various marginalized groups, um, how we teach our children about consent, how do, how do we um, engage with that, how do we um, how do we do all of those things that talk about the way that um, our shared space is something that we all take care of? Um, it's looked like examining how we spend our money and the spiritual meaning or impact of what we choose to buy, how we save, how we give, um, and the consequences that that has on our life and then life of our neighbors around us. It's looked like trying to understand ourselves better through the tools like the Enneagrams, so that as we know ourselves better, we see God better, that there's spirituality in that. Um, it's looked like examining our relationships with our bodies, how we feed ourselves, how we move, how we treat our body and other bodies. Um, it's looked like examining God, how God speaks through popular music. I loved the series we did on that, um, just the different lyrics and seeing how God's voice moves through that and can speak to us. I remember when we used to rent out um, a theater downtown and we would show movies and we'd talk about what does this mean spiritually. Um, during the pandemic, I think it's it's looked like how does community look like and how do we do community? And that's still community is part of everything. Um, sometimes it's looked at like, like zoom screens, lots of zoom screens, but it's also looked like making a space like a physical thing in our homes to share to see beauty in that and to, to draw from that. Um, but I think what ties all of it together is that every human being that we meet is, is a person who bears the image of God and seeing that more and more in each other. So every interaction with every human being that we meet, um, particularly people in marginalized groups, those are all spiritual encounters. So I think that is kind of what's driven the background of, of all of that.
2: So we have one more question for Nae, but before that, we have a question for you. So it's dangerous when you let an elementary teacher have the microphone, because you never know what they're gonna do. So we're gonna do what is called in school, a turn and talk. And what that means is, what I'd like for you to just take a second and tell someone nearby you. It could be someone that you came with, but even better, someone you didn't come with today, but where is a place outside of church where you encountered God, where you just noticed God working? It could be in a book or a movie. It could be in an experience with a friend. It could be in being outside, but someplace that was not a place that other people would say, oh, well, that was a religious thing because you were in a building with a cross on top. So um, just take a minute, and again, tell someone nearby, where was a time or experience where you did that? We'll give you a minute or two. I'm not afraid of being quiet, but I know you guys you will start talking a lot in just a second. So turn and talk to someone nearby, and then we'll wrap it up in a sec. Thank you for doing that. You guys are such good sports, I appreciate it. So our last question for Renee is, um, how do you hope to see this directive lived out in the future here at Imago Day?
3: I guess the simple answer is kind of what I already said, like the way that God touches individual people, uses their, his individual interactions with them, that, that knits together and becomes something new. Because different times and different places and different situations call for different needs. Like the work of the kingdom will look differently at different times and different places. So I'm, I'm excited to see the way that these little um, efforts and desires will spring up. And um, talking to more and more different types of people and seeing how that connects, I'm excited about that. Um, it's definitely exciting that God cares about all this stuff, that that God can be in all of these different moments. Um, But they were all vessels of the Holy Spirit and that we all get to see it together. Um, I hope that the way that we honor each other, each other's spirituality and each other's connection to what's spiritual for them just grows and grows in the way that we can learn from each other and see the richness and the, the tapestry of that. I'm excited for that.
2: Thanks, Renee. So as we continue this month and we look at each one of these directives, what makes them so beautiful to me is that you guys are the ones who live them out. You are the ones that bring these words alive in the way that you actually live. There's nothing magical about these words on paper. What you do with it and the way that you live and you bring God to the world is what makes these directives so important and meaningful to me and to so many other people. So thank you for the way that you make that happen for us.